You're listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast, a recording of the Sunday morning service at Hill City Church. We would love to have you join us in person. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Father God, um, we just thank you that uh, you are a loving God, caring God, an active God, a present God. Um, God, that you are fully powerful, fully knowing, um, that you're gracious to us. Um, God, you could have been anybody. You could have been a God that was vindictive and hateful and angry. Um, God, what we got the opposite. We got a loving and caring God. So thank you for being that type of God to us. Um, God, be with us today as we finish up this, spirit, the, this series and speak to our heart spirit. Um, as we seek you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're closing up this series that we're calling Good News People. And we've been talking about the gospel for the last six weeks. And we started with what does the gospel really look like in our own lives? And how do we make the good news good news again? And what does that look like uh, day in and day out, um, you know, hour by hour as we're remembering what Jesus has done for us and what that now gives us access to that we didn't have access to before. And then we started talking about how do we actually start sharing this with people and what does that look like? And Noah brought the word last week and talked about this idea of if we were sharing, if we actually love people, we would be sharing it. This is the greatest act of love that we could show somebody um, and, and kind of unpack that idea. And we're going to continue with that and get a little bit more practical, a little bit more specific this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, um, starting with verse 2. But the verses will be on the screen as well. Um, Colossians is a letter writ- written to uh, the church uh, towards the end of Paul's life. Um, most likely this was written while he was uh, in, uh, under house arrest in Rome, um, not long before his eventual death. <clears throat> um, but he's writing these words, and this is the end, towards the end of this letter. Um, that he gives these words to us, and we're going to read them today. Um, we will, we're going to skip verse 1. Verse 1 does talk about slave owners, you know, take care of your slaves well. Just because Scripture talks about slaves, not condoning slavery. Let's just be honest about that. And slavery, American slavery and slavery that day are drastically different things. Um, but we should all treat people well anyways is the point he's trying to make. But we're going to skip that verse for the sake of staying on topic. <laughs> verse 2, he says this in Colossians 4. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, simply this, know God and be known by God. Right? That, that's a devote yourself prayer. We talk a lot about knowing God here at Hill City. It's a core value of ours. It's important to us. We don't think you can fully be a disciple of Jesus unless you actually know and spend time with Jesus. Right, like this idea of knowing God and being with Him. You know, prayer, not just being, you know, something you do to ask for things like, you know, throwing money in a vending machine and hoping the right things come out, but but being a relationship and a conversation where we're able to give and take back and forth in that relationship. Being watchful and thankful, being paying attention that God is working. I think so often we go through life, especially as Christians, we know God is working, right? At least intellectually. But we get into the day and day grind and we get in the difficulties of life and, and all the other things that are going on and we forget that God's hand's at work. And he's at work all around us. Be watchful looking for those ways that he's at work in you, through you, around you. Being paying attention to those things and then being thankful that he is at work. 
And like I said in our prayer, he could have been a God that's distant, could have been a God that doesn't care, could have been a God that doesn't want to know you, but that's not the God we have. He wants to know. He wants to be with you. So devote yourselves to that relationship. Devote yourselves to being in partnership with what God is doing around us, to be used by God in those ways. We'll keep going in these verses. We have a lot of ground to cover. Sorry. So that's why we're we're moving quick. Uh, Verse three, pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mysteries of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I think oftentimes we read verses like this and we're like, that's so good for Paul. Paul is in prison, is on his way towards his death. He knows that he knows he's not getting out of this. And he is still trying to live out this mission that God has given us, right? Like he looked at his disciples right before Jesus ascended back into the heaven and said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's the mission that he's given the church. And we often look at, at, at guys like this that are they're living these things out, and we cheer them on and say, That's awesome. That's for you, not for me. And hopefully, as we've gone through this series, you're starting to realize that. This mission is for all of us. At some point, we've got to get on on board with with what God is trying to do and what God is trying to bring to our spheres of influence. We've got to be just like Paul is here. That we're proclaiming the mysteries of Christ, which is the gospel. Regardless of what's going on, regardless if I'm in chains or I'm in difficulty or I'm in debt up to my eyeballs or life is getting really hard, that this is still the mission. This is still the most important thing. In everything we do. You want to experience that full life. You want to experience that life that's beyond your imagination. This is where we find it. Getting on board with what God has called us to do. And being the people that God has called us to be. But I think all too often we get comfortable. We get stagnant. We get used to our life and how it works. And God, I like how my life works. And I don't really want to get uncomfortable. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Go back and listen to the message of, of killing this selfishness in ourselves. We don't get to, to lives of meaning. We don't get to lives of legacy. We don't get lives, uh, a life of purpose by living life for myself. I get to those things where I start to serve. I start to live in humility. I start to see others more important than myself, following Christ's lead as he did the same thing. I think sometimes we get in this place and it feels extremely overwhelming. I couldn't be like Paul. That's too much on me. I couldn't carry that weight. But Jesus didn't ask us to carry that weight, right? He said, go and do all these things, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. He's not going anywhere. He's not asking you to do it alone. Paul didn't do it alone. But I think oftentimes we get in this weird place as Christians that we have to become the Savior rather than just the messenger. Right? I have to help you fix your life and make it better and, and, and do all these different things for you and, and make it easier for you to make these decisions rather than just bringing the message that Jesus changed my life with. That we take on the responsibility of I have to make you morally right and I have to get all the ugliness and the, the sinfulness out of your life so you can pre- be presented to God. But that's not the life that Jesus called us to live. We just present the message in the midst of the ugliness. It's what Jesus did. Right? Jesus sat with the tax collectors and the sinners at dinner and conversated with them and was in relationship with them and heard their stories as he shared truth. 
the difference between that story and our story is Jesus was the Savior. <laughs> We're not. Our job is just to point him, point them back to him. And I think oftentimes we take on that role of being in charge, taking control. Right? Parents, especially with, with grown children, if you have children, right, you still feel that need. Like, I have to make sure that they're doing the right thing and living the right way and making all the right decisions. But it's not about morality. Holiness is not the most important thing in life. It's knowing Jesus. And in knowing Jesus and, and walking with Jesus, that work starts to happen in us and change our hearts, and we do become more holy in the, in the process of that. But that wasn't the aim. My aim was to know Jesus. Walk with Jesus and let him do the work of those things. We want the same thing for the people we come in contact with. We can't control them. We like to say it this way here at Hill City. There's my part as the disciple maker, right? There's their part as the disciple lead. And then there's God's part. I need to stay in my lane. I can't save them, and I can't make the decision for them. I can just do my part in the midst of it. Pointing them back to Jesus, being the messenger to bring the message that, that could transform and change their life, reminding them of Christ's truth, reminding them of this life that they could be living and experiencing if they just chose to, to walk with Jesus in this way. But I can't make the decision for them, and I definitely can't change them. That's God's job. We want to stay in our lane. But the mission is still ours. We still play a massive role in this. And the reality is for most Christians, we, we don't. We go through life and we live life as, as it always exists. Are the lights turning down and up? Can we figure out how to stop that? That was weird. Uh, sorry. <laughs> that was, it was just really distracting. I'd see people's faces and then they were gone. I'll blame uh, Elizabeth. Because she was giving me a hard time last week about the lights. <laughs> um, yeah, switch it to, I don't know, a different one, host or teaching or one of the other ones and see if it fixes it. But that's annoying. Um, I think oftentimes we, we don't take on this mission as our own. Someone else is going to take care of it. That's what professional missionaries are for. That's what pastors do. That's not for the everyday. That's not for us. It is, though. The disciples are everyday average dudes. Over and over again, others would take notice and be like, how are these uneducated fools being able to speak the things that they speak? Like we want to be those uneducated fools to be used by God in powerful ways in the lives of those around us. But we get so focused in on our own life and what I want and what makes me comfortable and we forget this mission. Because here's the reality, you can build the greatest of wealth. You can do the most things in this life and it's not going to go with you. You're going to stand before God one day and you're going to realize in the moment that you wasted so much time that we could have been dedicating to the mission and making a difference that was going to last from generation to generation. It could be one person that you choose to invest in over the next five years. That one person may go to invest in 10, and that 10 goes to invest in 100. We don't know where those, those investments are going to go, but it doesn't start if we don't get involved. And we're here today because others did it. Wasn't the professionals... It wasn't the pastors, but from generation to generation, it was just a bunch of believers deciding this mission is for me as well. This isn't just for, for, for someone more spiritual or better than me. God uses the sinners as much as he uses the saints. It's the beautiful thing of who God is. He is that big and that powerful that even if you feel uneducated or ill-equipped, that he can still use you. 
We tell the teachers all the time as they get on the stage to, to preach that, hey, it doesn't have to even be good. It just doesn't need to be distracting. Because in the midst of our, our, our weaknesses, in the midst of our bad sermons, God still does remarkable things. We're not even a year, year old yet. And I've preached plenty of bad sermons from the stage that made a difference in other people's lives. Because God is bigger. That's what God does. But God, we're not going to see that power of God in our lives and the lives of those around us until we get in the game. Until we say, yes, I want to be a part of this. That mission that Paul's asking prayer for is my mission as well that I need to be asking prayer for. I need to be going to my community group and saying, hey, I'm trying to build this relationship with this person and I don't know what to do next. And Let them give you advice and speak into that and more importantly, pray for that relationship. But oftentimes we're going to see what I can get out of it rather than what I can give. It's that mindset. This wasn't about killing uh, selfishness in our lives, but that's where we got back to. Let's be honest. Let's keep going in verse 5. <clears throat> be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Others' translations would say non-believers or those that don't believe yet. Um, this would be believe that Jesus is Lord, that he died and rose again. Uh, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation uh, be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone's questions. Let's break that, down, that verse down a little wise. Like if we're going to try to live out this mission, and this is how we do it, how do we do it in the day-to-day -day rhythm? Right? It doesn't need to be like, today on Tuesday, I'm going to be a missionary for Jesus, and I'm going to have every conversation that I need to have with people so they know the gospel. No, it's a rhythm that this is just who I am, and this is the life that I live with people, and as I live this life with people, these types of conversations come up, and as these type of conversations come up, I point them back to Jesus. If you're living your life right now, and you're like, well, these types of conversations don't come up for me. That may say something. So how do we do it? How do we start to live this rhythm so these conversations are coming up. Let's look at, let's look at this verse in, in verse 5. Be wise in every way you act towards outsiders. You can go back to the other ones that had them highlighted. Because let's be honest, I might forget which ones they are. But be wise in the ways you act towards outsiders. Have a plan. Pay attention. Live with some intentionality. That's what, that's what Paul's trying to tell us. Don't just you know, go ebb and flow and, and don't realize that there's people around you. Pay attention to the people that are around you. And I think the other piece of this is like, keep the important thing the important thing. The important thing isn't that I closed this deal this week. The important thing is that I didn't take care, I take care of all these projects that I have going on. The important thing, the most important thing, is that those that I come in contact with know who Jesus is. Not the Jesus that they may have created in their head, not the Jesus that the world has told, but the genuine, true Jesus Christ that came from heaven, Son of God. The one that has the ability to transform and change their life. We want to live with intentionality towards those that don't know him yet. Looking for opportunities to build relationship and have conversation. Next part there, make most of every opportunity. Be expecting it. I don't know about you, but I go through my day, I'm not expecting these things. So when they do show up, you're like, take it off guard. You're like, ah, oh, what do I say? Well, the Romans road is, right? You have all these weird, awkward conversations with people because I wasn't expecting it. Or I'm not expecting it and I just blow right past it. I didn't even see the opening or the, the moment the spirit was moving. 
Be expecting that God is going to work in the lives of those around us. Does God not love them more than you love them? Does God not want to, to, to know them and, him, and them know Him more than you want them to know God? Of course He does. That's who He is. But are we expecting these things? Are we making the most of these opportunities as they present themselves? Now, I'll say this. You're going to get some wrong. It's going to happen. You're going to see this moment, and it's going to pass right by, and you're not going to take the shot. You're going to see this. this you're not even going to see the opportunity. It's going to be after the fact. You're like, oh, my goodness. That, like, I didn't even realize what they were asking me. Right? Those are going to happen. This is what grace is for. God doesn't hate you because you missed the moment. Catch the next moment. But make the most of every opportunity. Verse 6, let your conversation always be full of grace. This is a big one. Because there's a lot of people we're going to come in contact with that don't live life the way that we live it as Christians. And our first step is typically judgment. How dare you live this way? How dare you make that decision? We don't say it that way. That would be rude. But we're definitely thinking it. We're keeping the barriers up and not coming down and being with people. We're like up here on our perch of like, look how good of a Christian I am compared to your crummy life. Right? That's not the life that Jesus calls to live. That's not the example that he gave. But I think oftentimes we live in this morality place where we're just trying to make everybody like us. Do all the good things and do all the right things. Or we speak, choose to speak into something that probably wasn't the place to speak into and choose condemnation rather than grace. Over and over again, the gospel writers talk about this idea of grace. Don't get me wrong, sin is gross, it's disgusting, and it's destructive. And if I really genuinely love the person, I'm going to present truth to them because it matters. But if I'm not doing it in the way of grace, I'm doing it wrong. I should be showing compassion. I just had a conversation with, with a guy this, this last week that, that doesn't know Jesus yet. And he's made some decisions recently that, that in all honesty, like, irk me, make me angry and frustrated. Want to get involved and, like, beat up the dude. But condemning him in the moment would have lost all credibility of building the relationship. And I would have missed an opportunity to speak truth. I'd have missed an opportunity to introduce him to Jesus, the one that actually has the ability to transform and change his life, regardless of what decisions he's made up to that point. Nobody's irredeemable. But also, also often there's, there's things that, that we just it just irks us, it makes us angry, because sin does that. But it, but it doesn't mean we should be acting on it. We should be operating full of grace. As Jesus operated full of grace, Speak truth, but speak truth with compassion and kindness. Acting full of grace. Seasoned with salt. What does salt do? Makes things salty. Just kidding. It does. But it also brings out the flavor of things, right? You know these types of people. When you're around a group of people and they, like, they bring out the flavor of just life. Like they're not always down or angry or frustrated and tell you everything that's wrong with their lives. You know those people too, but... Uh, these people are the ones that, that are, are fun-loving, that, that are a little bit light, that function with joy. Christians like this are, are attractive. Some translations use that word, be compassionate and attractive. Draw people in with, with living in the goodness of what God has done, rather than the evil and the ugliness of life. 
And for some of us, this is a lot easier to do. And for some of us like me, more pessimistic in life, a lot more difficult to do. But it doesn't mean we try to do it. We don't try to do it. Doesn't mean we don't ask Jesus to work in our lives in this way so we can see the goodness in situations and always seeing what's wrong. Like, don't get me wrong, there's benefits of both, right? I can go into a room and tell you everything that's wrong with it. It's going to make it better. But also, going into a room and telling you everything that's wrong with it, uh, people get sick of hearing it. <laughs> like, that's not bringing the, the, the flavor of life out, the joy, the hope of life that we could be bringing out. We want to be those types of people. We want to be salty people. Not that kind of salty, the good kind of salty. Now we want to bring out the, the goodness. When, when, they're, when they're complaining and they're frustrated with what's going on with life, like there, there's a part of us that we want to show compassion and empathy in that place. But it's not helpful to them for them to stay there. So let's bring out the goodness too. Let's be full of grace and full of saltiness. But how do we really do this? How do we get practical in the midst of all of this? That becomes the question. Be wise in every way you act towards outsiders, to non-believers, to those that haven't experienced Jesus yet. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that they, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Be ready to give the gospel truth. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down three words today. This is how we do it. Three words are this, good, God, gospel. Good, God, gospel. We just want to be good at relationship. We just want to be good at talking with people. We just want to be good at making a connection that genuinely matters and we're not just passing by them. Oftentimes, we're going to look at the Samaritan woman story here in just a second. If you're familiar with it, if not, I'll give you the background. But sometimes it's really quick. It's a, it's a you know, person sitting next to you on a plane and you have a conversation that moves from just connecting with them as a human being to talking about who God is to eventually giving them an opportunity to, to, to make a decision on the gospel. Other times, it's years and years of investing in people's relationship. But I think oftentimes we get stuck in one of these places. We, we focus on just the relationship piece. I just want to get to know them and them know me, and we get stuck in this place. I never bring God into the equation. Or I bring God into the equation, but I don't ever get to the gospel where they have an opportunity to decide if they want to follow God or not. Or I talk about God, but I don't, I don't talk about the gospel. I talk about the, the, the rules and the regulations of being a Christian rather than talking about the, the loving God that went to the cross to die for our sins. Jesus would have these good conversations with people. He would then transition those good conversations to God conversations. And then ultimately, he would, he would bring about the conversation to a point and have a gospel conversation. Let's look really quickly. We're just going to grab some pieces from, from these verses. But if you want to go back and read the, the Samaritans, the women at the well, Samaritan story, it's in John 4. Um, but to give you kind of an overarching view, Jesus shows up at, at Jacob's well. Um, this woman in the middle of the day is coming to Jacob's well, and Jesus has a conversation with her. And Jesus essentially does this model right here. He has a good conversation where he connects, right? He introduces God into the conversation, and then he gives her an opportunity to respond. 
But in this conversation, it starts with Jesus asking, can I have a drink of water? And the woman responding, why would you ask me, a Samaritan woman, for water? Good conversation. We're, we're connecting as people. Because here's how it could have played out. Jesus could have got to the well, waiting for the disciples to come back, just chilling out there. This nice Samaritan woman showed up, and they like did the pleasant trees, or they like smiled at each other and acknowledged each other's existence. And then she went on her way to fill up her jugs and then went back home. We have those type of conversations all the time. Conversations, right? We have those types of interactions all the time. We miss an opportunity to pay attention to what God was doing. Make the most of every opportunity, right? We missed it. But it's seeing people as people. That's what good conversation looks like. I can't have good conversation if, if I'm not at the same level with you and I'm not with you. Right? I'm just talking at you and I genuinely don't care what you have to say back. I'm just making small talk. Like That's not good conversation. You want people to be able to walk away and be like, man, I don't know who that guy was but like, or that, that lady was, but like, I'm, I'm kind of feeling better about life right now. Right? You, we've all had those kind of conversations. You're like, I don't know what was up with that guy, but like, that was fun. Right? It's this connection that we're trying to make with people. And this could take time. Sometimes people are really prickly. And it takes some time to, to get the guards down and, and, to, and to bring your, you know, get in that place of trust with them that they see you as equals. But this is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't have to ask her for water. He's Jesus. But here's this, this Samaritan, or here's this Jewish man, right? Social economic, definitely up here compared to a Samaritan woman. And he came down to her level. I think oftentimes when we're trying to connect with people, we connect with people from like this pillar of like, I'm looking over the edge, like down at them rather than being with them. Well, you don't understand God like I understand God. Like you're not going to be able to comprehend what we're talking about right now. Or like I'm looking at your life and it's kind of a wreck. Like I don't, I'm not really, we're not really going to relate on any level. But we're human beings. We all deal with the same things, maybe in different severities, but we, we can be in the same place and communicate with people and have good conversation. But we have to come down and be equals. It's not like I'm trying to perform a task, right? People can't be those things of like, I had three good conversations today. And they're like, what are you talking about? Those weren't good. I'm like, you were kind of annoying. We didn't connect. Like, that's what good conversation. I'm just trying to connect with you. And it's simple things. It's asking questions about their life and generally being interested in them. And asking follow-up questions of what those, what, what, about their life, however they answer. I think oftentimes we go into weird moments, and this is just in general of humanity, of like, we have these three questions we always ask everybody. I don't really care what your answer is to these three questions. I just want to perform the task so I can say we had a good conversation. But I'm not connecting with people. Good conversation ends up connecting with people. That's what Jesus did here. He humbled himself. He could have got water himself. He could have figured it out. But he asked her for help. Why? Because it created an equal playing field now. Now they can have a real conversation because she sees them as equals. Be simple things, asking about a situation going on in their life and how they're dealing with it. It could be as simple as, hey, are, are you new to Colorado? How long have you been here? And letting that be a jumping off point. There's plenty of ways to build good conversation with people. But at some point, just like Jesus does, there's a transition that gets made. And you move from a good conversation to a God conversation. We want to test the spiritual waters. 
We want to test how open they are to have spiritual conversations. We want to see how, 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 how much do they understand about who Jesus is already. And in what ways may, may I be, redirect them to the real Christ rather than one that they've been taught or have seen or chose to believe. And Jesus said it this way. He said, if you knew the gift of God, this is him talking to the woman, um, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Speaking to this, this, um, this well being Jacob's well, Jacob being the, the forefather of um, the Judaism, but also the Samaritans. He says, are you greater than our father Jacob? She gets back to this historical biblical history. Jesus is just testing the waters. How much do you know? It's simple as this. It's saying things like, you know, Jesus has has allowed this this good, um, has has a, Jesus has been good to me and has allowed me to fill in the blank. It's question. It's bringing in the ways in which Jesus is working in our lives and presenting it to the people around us. I think so often we let the the, the walk with Jesus piece of our life kind of be our own little personal thing. That we don't like to talk about. Or we only like to talk about it in safe places because I'm terrified to talk about it and how they're going to react to it. But this is how we do it. We got to get to this, this spiritual conversation. It's saying, it's saying things like, oh, this transaction, you know, I moved to this town or I moved to this opportunity or I took this job because I felt like Jesus led me to it. Like, make sure that's true. Like if you're lying to him, that's a whole other story. But if it's a true story, bring, G- bring Jesus along into the conversation. This is what Jesus is doing in my life right now. This is how he's presenting himself in my life right now. Test the waters, see how they react. And if they react in a positive way, they're not spitting in your face. They're not getting angry or frustrated. And if they are, circle back around. Keep following up in in relationship with them. If there's someone you're meeting, it's a simple conversation that moves on. Pray for them and move on. But if it's a relationship that's ongoing, bring it back up. But Jesus moves the conversation as we need to move the conversation to gospel. And Jesus says this to the woman, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Ways that we can say it. And I realized I couldn't change myself no matter how hard I tried. I needed a savior. I searched through different religions and but they all had this similar thread. It was individuals working their way to God. I realized that I could never overcome my sinful debt, and I needed a holy God to make a way. Or I search, that's the same thread twice, sorry. But it's these opportunities of like, this is how I found Jesus. Realizing like so much of, of Christian work often gets to this place of it's working towards God. We've picked up you know, the, the works-based religion rather than this grace-based salvation. And it's bringing it back to that truth. Because here in America, you're going to come across a lot of people that have church backgrounds. But it was do this, don't do that, be a better person, and then God will love you more. Well, the gospel is a different message. It's in the midst of your sin. While you were still sinners, ugly, disgusting, destructive people, Jesus went to the cross for you anyways. Because he loved you. It's getting back to that place, the genuine gospel message and story. 
but it's looking for those opportunities to have good connection, good conversation. How do I introduce Jesus into that conversation, have a God conversation, or into that relationship and have a God conversation amidst that ongoing relationship? And how do I point them back to the actual gospel? Not works, not go to church, not all these things that we do as Christians because it helps us in our relationship, but getting back to, hey, there's nothing you could have done. There's nothing you can do, but Jesus did something for you. He took care of it. So you can experience the full life. You can experience God. You can can walk with Jesus and experience all these things. He took the price on himself. Now there's people in our lives, all of our lives, that, that are in any of those phases. Right? We're trying to just build relationship with them and be their friend. There, there's people that we're trying to introduce uh, to God that we've been around for a long time, or there's individuals that, that we need to bring the gospel and present them an opportunity to, to make a decision on whether they want to follow or not. And we have people in, in, in more in one category than the other. It kind of just depends on our lives. But are we going to live this mission that God called us to live? Are we going to intentionally chase after these people? Are we going to be wise in our interaction and take every advantage that we possibly can to help them experience Jesus? So Mike is going to hand out some stickers here in just a second, or in a second, I mean right now. Um, These stickers say good news people on them. I'm going to pray for us, and as I pray for us, my prayer is going to be, God, speak names to us. Who are the people that you want me to be intentional with? You want me to start building good conversation with? Or you want me to start uh, bringing, bringing you, Jesus, into that equation? Or finally, who do you want me to actually explain the gospel to so they have an opportunity to decide? Let me pray for us while these are going on. You're about to write those names on this card in just a second, so hopefully it markers as well. Lord Jesus, um, we do want to get on mission with you. God, we want our lives to matter. We want to make a difference. And we know that making a difference really comes down to the gospel, the thing that's always going to last. It's going to go into eternity. But God, right now in this moment, I know you have us in places and jobs and neighborhoods and families and places where people need to hear your gospel, your truth, and we need to introduce them to you. God, will you give us those names right now? Who are those people for us? Amen. Whoever those names may be, I would encourage you to write them down. It may be one, it may be two, it may be three, it may be ten. I have no idea what God just spoke. But here's the crazy thing about it. You always ask this question in the church. We hear it all the time. How do I know God speaks? Well, I'll be honest with you right now. If you have a name in your head, the enemy ain't giving it to you. God just spoke. So whoever those people are, I want you to write them down. Um, I actually meant for you to give two of these. I forgot, sorry. Uh, But when we go into communion, whoever you write down, I just want you to bring up and leave on the table the whole sticker. Um, The other sticker that Rachel's handing out right now, write those same names and put it somewhere you're going to see every day so we can be intentional. Who are those names of the people that we're going to intentionally reach out to, build good relationship, have good conversation, introduce them to the idea of God to see if how open they are to the idea, and then present them the gospel. The message that transformed and changed our lives, the message that gives us hope every day. Even when life is hard, the the message that we have joy in the midst of trials. 
the thing that transformed everything. It's the message we carry. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Who are those people? And I ask you to write some names on a card and leave them up here because the church wants to be praying with you. We'll put them somewhere to remind us to be praying for these individuals, but also to remind us to, to be chasing after those individuals. These can be coworkers. These can be anybody. Uh, but then take this and put this somewhere you're going to see it on a regular basis so you know you need to be intentional with them and doing your part and letting God lead in those conversations, being praying for them. And if you don't have any names, that's okay. Don't, don't feel any pressure. Um, but if you do have names, write those names down. And we go into communion. If you just leave them at the communion table, right? One body coming to the Christ's feet, we're going to leave them in that place. But if you're sitting here today and you're, you're just thinking to yourself, like, none of this really makes a ton of sense to me. Like, I get we should talk about God, but I don't really understand what you mean by, like, how do I share Jesus? What does the gospel really look like? I don't understand what God has done for me. Maybe the decision that you're ready to make is say yes to Jesus. Maybe it's a decision you never actually made in at least an intentional way before. You've been in church for a long time. You may have grown up in the church. But this free gift that God gave through the sacrifice and the death and resurrection of Jesus, you've never made your own. Paul tells if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died and rose again, you should be saved. It's that simple. It's that easy. And that starts a relationship with Jesus. As you grow as a disciple of Jesus, you'll be blown away by the opportunities you're going to have to be used by Jesus. And that's what this is all about. But it starts with that first decision. So would everybody close your eyes? If you've never made this decision before and you're ready to say yes to Jesus today, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you would just repeat it after me. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And my sin has separated me from you. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and he conquered death so I could do the same. So I could be in relationship with you. From this day forward, I call you Lord. Amen. You keep your eyes closed. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, if you just raise your hand so I know who you are and I can be praying for you. And if you've prayed that prayer before, but you haven't taken that next step of obedience to get baptized, to tell the world that I'm a follower of Jesus, and essentially baptism is just a public declaration that I'm dead to my old self and I'm now new, I'm during this next song, I'll be in the back. If you just come up to me, we'll get you baptized today. The tub is hot. We have clothes for you to change into. Um, all the things you're going to need to get you baptized and go public with your faith. But take that step. I believe God would bless it in, in miraculous ways. If you'd open your eyes, if you'd stand with us, we're going to go into our next song of worship. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your sacrifice. God, we thank you that we can call you ours and you call us yours. We love you. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast. We hope it was helpful to you to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Thank you.